but I'm simply calling this restructuring the church, restructuring the church. During the season of lockdown, we have had to do church very differently. We probably never ever envisaged that we would face a time like this. But rather than seeing this uh, lockdown and virus as a curse from the enemy, I think that God is using it as a means of getting us to rethink and reimagine what he wants his church to be. Just consider this for a moment. Before we had this time of the lockdown and the coronavirus, thousands and thousands of sermons were preached in churches up and down this country every single Sunday. And yet, the Christian church still seems to have a muted voice in this nation when it comes to the average person on the street. Have you ever stopped to think, why is that? Or what is it that we are perhaps doing wrong? We've got this amazing good news, we've got this life-changing message, and yet we have a nation that is largely unaware of the good news that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. So now that we cannot gather together in our church buildings, and the prospect of doing so again in the near future looks uncertain, given all the restrictions, uh, I talk to many church leaders and lots of them are saying, how can we meaningfully meet together when there are so many restrictions? Is it really worth gathering in one place? And many people are grappling with this very difficult question of thinking how we can be church together again. So we need to ask the question, what kind of church can we envisage for the future? In Isaiah 46, this is what God says in verses 9 and 10, for I alone am God. I am God and there is no one like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass. So whatever the cause of this coronavirus, God knew that it would happen. And therefore God had a purpose through it. Rather than thinking that this was designed to diminish the church, I believe that God wants to actually use this lockdown and this virus and all that we've been struggling with. I believe that God wants to use it to make his church bigger, to make his church bolder, and to make his church brighter within the nation. So think with me for a few moments from Ezra chapter 1 that Phil read to us, because I believe there are some things here that God wants to show us this morning. Ezra was an Old Testament prophet and scribe, and he writes during the time when the people of Israel were held in captivity in Babylon. And during that time of captivity, God stirs the heart of King Cyrus of Persia. 
he was one of the, the good and the greatest kings uh, in that Babylonian empire. And God stirs the heart of this king, and this is what he said. This is what was read to us from Ezra 1 verse 3. I'm reading from the New Living. The king says, he makes this decree, any of you who are his people may go to Jerusalem in Judah to rebuild the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives in Jerusalem. And may your God be with you. Now, here was an offer that was too good to refuse. When had any of these other kings said to the people, if you want to, you can go back home? That was the bottom line. But of course, there was a condition. You can go back home to rebuild the temple of your God who dwells in Jerusalem. And I believe that God is making a similar offer to us today to rebuild his church. Not as it was, not how we had been used to in the past, the comfortable, enjoyable services that we have known in the past, but how God wants his church to be in the future so that it will touch this nation in a way that we've not been able to do before. I believe that God wants us to have a bigger voice in the nation. I believe that God wants us to have a bigger influence over the direction of this nation. And I believe that God wants us as his church in the nation to reap a bigger harvest throughout this nation. So for this to happen, the church has got to change. It has to have a new wineskin, to use a phrase that we are often familiar with. For too long, we have had Christian meetings held by Christians and most often for the benefit of Christians. Now, that doesn't mean to say that our Christian meetings are bad, but if it produces spiritually obese Christians, what good is that to a nation that has not heard the good news of Jesus? So let's think of three key things just out of Ezra chapter 1. The first thing that I want you to notice is that here was an opportunity. Because Cyrus said in verse 3, any of you who are his people may go. Here they were given an opportunity to go back to their homeland and to rebuild the temple of their God. I think that today God is giving us an opportunity to rethink and restructure his church and in particular for us level 10. However the past, however good the past might have been, whatever success we may have enjoyed in the past as a church, we have to understand that that is now history. The future of level 10 is in front of us and God is giving us the opportunity to reshape his church. 
Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, make the most of every opportunity. And he said that because the days are evil. If the days were evil in his day, then we know how evil and sinful the days are in our day. But here God is giving us, his church, locally as level 10, but throughout the nation and throughout the world, God is giving us an opportunity to restructure and rethink, reimagine his church. In the Greek language, the word time has several different words. One of the Greek words is chronos. That's the time that you read on your wristwatch. Another Greek word is kairos, which is a moment, a significant moment. And it's often used in the scripture of a significant moment when God shows up and something remarkable happens. I believe that this whole season of lockdown, the coronavirus, God is actually giving us a Kairos moment, an opportunity to hear him afresh and to understand what he wants us to be as a local church, but also what he wants his church to be throughout this land. Somebody once said that the opportunity of a lifetime is in the lifetime of the opportunity. In other words, opportunities have a sell-by date. You've often heard people talk about being in the right place at the right time and something significant or amazing happened for them. If you don't grasp the opportunity when it's in your hands, then you will lose it. And if you turn the page in your Bible to Ezra chapter 2 and verse 64, you will read that 42,360 Israelites grasped the opportunity to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. That's amazing. A colossal number of people, but they saw here was an opportunity, an opportunity to return to the land they loved, but an opportunity to go back and to rebuild the house of the Lord their God whom they loved and wanted to serve. I believe that God is giving us an opportunity to restructure his church for the harvest he wants to bring in the future. So the first key word is opportunity, but then the second key word is creativity. Because in Ezra chapter 1 and verse 3, King Cyrus says, go to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of the Lord. Notice the word rebuild. This was not a repair job. Nehemiah, who was a contemporary of Ezra, he went and repaired the wall of Jerusalem, rebuilt it in places, repaired the gates. And if you look in Nehemiah chapter 3, you read, will read of different groups of people who repaired this gate, repaired that gate, repaired another gate. A lot of Nehemiah's work was about repairing. What the people in Ezra's time were called to do was not a repair job. It was to rebuild the temple of the Lord. You know, too often we want to fix church when something goes wrong. So in a dry season, sometimes we think, well, if we learn some of the latest songs from Bethel, 
that will kind of liven things up again. Or let's have a season of prayer. Or maybe let's bring in a fiery teacher. Now, there's nothing wrong with that because all churches go through dry seasons. All churches go through barren times. All churches go through discouragement and disheartment, dis disheartening times and things go wrong. That happens. If you find the perfect church, please do not go and join it because it will not be perfect anymore. You see, churches go through these seasons. And the natural response is we need to fix this. We need to introduce something new. We need to change what we do. We need to fix it. Leaders want to fix the church when it goes through a barren and difficult time. I know of a church that have been praying for revival for 40 years. And God has not answered that prayer. And perhaps they need to ask why. Because the mission of the church has never been about revival. The mission of the church has always been to go and make disciples of all nations. I believe that God wants his church in this nation to be rebuilt. You see, in Ezra's time, they were not asked to restore the temple to its former glory, but to build it anew. This offered creativity. This offered imagination. This offered fresh thinking. And I've been talking to many leaders in the last few weeks, and they're all saying the same thing. We cannot go back to doing church as we've done before. And when I start to hear lots of people saying that, I believe God is speaking because everybody is starting to hear the same thing and realizing that church as we knew it wasn't doing what God wanted it to do. So we've got to begin to reimagine. We've got to think. We've got to hear from heaven afresh. We've got to come up with some creativity that enables us to align ourselves with rebuilding the church in the way that God wants it to be built. So I am proposing, and I've talked through with Terry and Judy and Janice and I have talked, that over the next two or three weeks, we need to have some big conversations together. <clears throat> big conversations about how we think Level 10 Church should be in the future. We need to have Holy Spirit inspired, creative thinking, which will help us to build a church that encounters God's presence, that equips the saints, and that ultimately evangelizes those who are lost and outside of the grace of God. Every church in this season has been deconstructed. And it's now time to rebuild a church that will be fruitful in reaching the lost. So my question to you is, how do you imagine this rebuilding will take place? And I want to propose that we have some focus groups with different ones, with everybody to be involved. So we have a big conversation, some focus groups together, and we start to think and talk and say, yeah, what is God saying? What does God want his church to be? Because we cannot go back to being level 10 as we were in the past. And no church is thinking like that. I talked to one of our pastors in Portsmouth just this week, and I said, how's it going, Gareth? And he said, yeah, it's okay. We've opened the church during the week. People can come and pray. But we are thinking how we need to restructure the church going forward. 
And I hear that message again and again. And I don't think it's just the leader's responsibility to come up with the answer. We all need to be prayerfully seeking to hear God and in a big conversation together to try and understand what is the Holy Spirit saying to his church today about how God wants his church to rebuild so that we can be fruitful in the future. So we will be communicating to you uh, in the coming days how we're going to have these Zoom focus groups and uh, enter into a joined up conversation together about how we believe the church should be going forward. So I want to encourage you, start praying. Start asking God to speak to you. Start asking God to show you what is he saying that he wants his church to be in the future. Because this is a unique season. Never has the church ever been totally shut down in the past. I, I don't know a moment in history, it might have done, but never in our lifetime has church been shut down completely. So this is something that is no surprise to God, but God will use it for his glory. So we've got to start to creatively think. So the people in Ezra's time, they had an opportunity. They had to begin to be creative. But one final thing that I find in Ezra chapter one is about community. Because in verse six, it says, all their neighbors assisted by giving silver and gold and many valuable gifts in addition to all the voluntary offerings. Now, don't worry, we're not going to ask you to empty your bank balances. But what that tells us is that everybody was involved. Not only the 42,000 that went back to Jerusalem, but even those who stayed, those who said, well, we like living in Babylon. It's quite nice and comfortable. So there were those who stayed, but even those who stayed, the king said, you have got to contribute towards the rebuilding of this temple. Everyone is, was involved. This was community in unity. Mark that again, community in unity. And we had read to us just a moment ago that the church is a body of people. People who are committed to Jesus Christ, committed to sharing the good news of his love and saving grace. A body in unity functions effectively every part knowing its role and responsibility and Paul the Apostle Paul demonstrated that so clearly in those rich words out of 1 Corinthians 12 just talks about the human body that we understand so well and then uses it as a powerful metaphor for us to understand the church you imagine getting up one morning and your left leg said I'm staying in bed today the rest of you can go on without me you would be in a mess we understand that but our body functions when every bit does its part it works beautifully and we are so grateful for the way in which we can be physically active and engaging because we have a body that fully works babs was quite restricted for a long time until she got two knees and she's a transformed woman terry was restricted until he got a new knee and he's only half transformed. But you know what it is? You know, it's remarkable what surgery can do today. People have cataract surgery and suddenly they can see. Our bodies are fantastic. And when everything works, it is brilliant. It's a community in unity. 
And it's the same with the church. When everyone is playing their part, using their gifts, serving in the way that God has equipped them, we become a body that functions. We become a community in unity for the glory of God. The psalmist said, how good it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. It is like the anointing oil that ran down the head of Aaron. That anointing oil speaks of the presence of God. When a community is in unity for the glory of God, the presence of God dwells among them. So we need to think about our role, our place, the gifts that God has given to us that he wants us to use in the rebuilding of his church. There's a story told about a civil servant who went to do an inspection of a farmer's uh, land and a farmer's work. And the civil servant said, I need to inspect this particular field. And the farmer said, well, I do not advise it whatsoever. But the civil servant was very insistent and he waved these papers. And he said, I've got the authority. I've got the authority. You cannot stop me from going. So the farmer said, well, okay. He opened the gate, let the civil servant into the field and within a few minutes, the civil servant was being chased by a bull. And so the civil servant shouts, help, help. And the farmer responds and says, well, why don't you show him your papers of authority? <laughs> you see, I believe that God wants to restore his authority to his church. For too long, the church has not been listened to in this nation. For too long, the church has been largely sidelined and marginalized. People are very grateful for the practical things that we do, the food banks, the many practical ways in which we serve our towns and cities. And the church has been fantastic in providing so many ministries to help people in their brokenness. But somehow the message of the saving love of Jesus has not got through in the way that it should. And I believe God wants to restore his authority to his church so that when we speak in the name of Jesus, things happen. Do you remember Paul and Silas when they went to the, uh, Peter and Silas when they went to, no, was it James and John when they went, to, whoever it was, they went to the temple in Acts 3. And this guy was wanting money and he says, I haven't got any, but in the name of Jesus, Peter and James, get up and walk. That's authority. And I want to see us carrying that anointing, that authority that brings the transforming presence of Jesus into our communities because we carry him with us wherever we go. That's what the church was sent to be through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I believe that God wants to restore and rebuild his church so that it makes an incredible impact on the nation and many people find Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. So that's the message that I feel God has just brought to my heart for this week. It's just the beginning of, I believe, a journey of a conversation and thinking and waiting on God as we go ahead.